Welcome to The Honest Report, a weekly podcast analyzing media coverage of the Arab-Israeli conflict, anti-Semitism, and radical Islamic terrorism. Violence escalating between Israel and the Palestinians, hundreds of rockets fired from Gaza toward Israel, people running for cover. We start the show with the breaking news that has been coming in. Israeli police are saying that at least seven people have been injured in a car ramming and stabbing attack in Tel Aviv. Hundreds of rockets fired from Gaza towards Israel. People running for cover on this Tel Aviv beach as their defense systems blew rockets out the sky. Here's your host, Rob Walker. There are few terms in the English language which have been as widely misunderstood and misrepresented as Zionism. While anti-Israel detractors claim that Zionism is synonymous with racism, settler colonialism, and oppression, in reality it refers to the national liberation movement of the Jewish people. But what exactly does that mean, and in particular, what does Zionism mean for Israel today? A country that gained its independence 75 years ago, and despite many challenges, is likely as stable and secure as it's ever been before. The success of anti-Israel activists in falsely redefining Zionism has not only contributed to the delegitimization of Israel in the international arena, it has also helped drive a wedge between Israel and many Jews, particularly younger Jews in the diaspora. Joining us this week to share his expertise on the true nature of Zionism and its relevance in the contemporary world, we are joined by Daniel Gordas. Daniel is a Koret Distinguished Fellow at Shalem College. He's the author of 13 books, including Israel, A Concise History of a Nation Reborn, and also hosts a popular blog and podcast, Israel from the Inside. Welcome to the Honest Report Podcast. Daniel Gordas, welcome to the Honest Report Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, the pleasure is all ours. So I wanted to talk to you about what is probably one of the most misunderstood terms, um, not just in the Jewish world, but really broadly in politics and the news media. And of course, that is Zionism. Um, to its detractors, Zionism is, of course, it's racism, it's colonialism, it's, uh, it's, it's settler, it's occupation, it's all the things that anti-Israel activists uh, sort of throw at uh, the accusations that they throw at the Jewish state. Um, but why is it that advocates of the Jewish state, whether Jews and non-Jews alike, have a bit more of a difficult time articulating exactly what Zionism is? It's a great question as to why people are so confused about it. I think part of it is is that if Zionism was the drive to create a Jewish state, then the question is, why does it still exist? The Jewish state has existed for 75 years. And in fact, there was some conversation after 48 about whether or not to continue using the word Zionism, even whether the national anthem Hatikvah made sense to continue because it talks about our hope is not yet gone to be a free people in our land. So I think part of the confusion for people stems from, well, I always thought Zionism was about trying to create a Jewish state and the Jewish state is here. So maybe that's part of it. But I'll give you a simple, a simple answer as to what Zionism is. Zionism is the national liberation movement of the Jewish people. The claim of Zionism was that for the Jewish people to be fully liberated, especially after the middle of the 20th century, but of course Zionism, political Zionism, goes aloft in the 1890s, so it's got nothing to do with the Holocaust. But nonetheless, uh, the, the argument of Zionism is, is that for the Jewish people to be fully liberated, emancipated, etc., it needs, like every other people or most other peoples, to have a country of its own. History has shown that, unfortunately, Jews living in other countries 
times go better, times go worse, but they eventually go bad. And the claim of Zionism was we want to be an am kukol ha'amim, a people like all other peoples, and have our own state. And so has that term or the concept of Zionism since being phrased or coined by Nirthen Birnbaum in the late 1800s and, and Theodore Herzl, has their concept of Zionism shifted and morphed? I mean, how did they see Zionism versus how you're describing it today? Did they see Zionism as the National Liberation Movement, or was it just a means to the creation of a Jewish state, and then that was it? That's 125 years ago. I mean, what what concept has not changed in 25 years, in 125 years? So people have thought of, I don't know if the word feminism existed 125 years ago, but if it did, would feminists 125 years ago have thought about the challenges and the opportunities facing women um, exactly the same way? 125 years ago, post the American Civil War, which ended in 1865, um, would African-Americans, blacks in America, have spoken about what their agenda was, what their rights want, ought to be, etc., the way they speak about them in 2023? In other words, any the, a lot of people like to say, well, you're talking about something very different than what Herschel was talking about. Of course, that's true. Everything has changed. We ha we didn't have a state. We do have a state. Uh, the Jews numbered 18 million people. Then a third of them got slaughtered. Jews in Poland numbered 3 million people. 90% of them got slaughtered. Uh, everything has changed the last 125 years. So did Herzl use this phrase, a national liberation movement of the Jewish people? Probably not. I can't remember that he did. I think probably it'll be interesting to check and see when this phrase national liberation movement comes. It's probably much later, in the mid-20th century. So the ideas have changed, the ideas have shifted, but the fundamental idea remains the same, that the Jewish people is going to be allowed to thrive and flourish only if it can have a nation of its own, where it controls its own destiny, where it speaks its own language, where it lives in its ancestral homeland. That's what Zionism has always been about. That's what Zionism is still about today. And so when you have a state like Israel uh, that in 75 years has become you know, successful in many respects uh, beyond the imaginations of its founders, um, has a certain malaise taken in? I mean, is it, has Zionism been taken for granted by Israelis and indeed by Jews in the diaspora today? Zionism was taken for granted. I don't know so much about Jews in the diaspora. I think Jews in the diaspora have more or less taken for granted the existence of a Jewish state. They're also troubled by the existence of a Jewish state because they think of Judaism as a religion. And once you think of Judaism as a religion and not as a people, then you ask yourself the question, well, why would this religion have a state? Where is the Methodist state? Where is the Presbyterian state? Where is the evangelical state? The states don't have religions. Peoples have religions. Uh, but of course, Judaism is mostly a peoplehood. It also has a religious component to it as well. Um, but one can very, very safely say, you know, I am a Jew and I don't believe in God or I'm a Jew and religion doesn't matter to me at all. Much harder to say I'm a Christian than I don't believe in God or I'm a Christian and religion doesn't matter to me at all. So um, outside of America, outside of Israel, I, I think it's not so much an issue of it being taken for granted as it being seen as problematic because religions don't have states and Judaism is thought of as a religion. Inside Israel, I think it was taken for granted a little bit. And I think part of what the Jewish state and its leadership discovered in 2023 uh, was that young people in Israel don't take it nearly as much for granted as people might have expected that they would. If the government in 2023 thought that young Israelis would simply stand by and watch the nature of the judicial system change dramatically because they were kind of spent, burnt out about what Israel ought to be, 
They, of course, found out that quite the contrary was the case, that Israelis cared deeply about the project called the Jewish state and that Israelis cared deeply about the project called the Jewish state being democratic and being a state that they can be proud of. So if Zionism had become a bit taken for granted in Israel, which I think, yes, it had, uh, that has ended in 2023. And in a certain way, Zionism's having a rebirth. Now, I wanted to uh, ask you, about three years ago, you had written uh, a piece um, in criticism of uh, um, Peter Beinart, uh, sort of a, a critic of Israel, and you wrote the following, or he wrote the following, and you took issue with it. And I just want to understand, because I think to a lot of people, they sound very similar. He wrote, quote, The essence of Zionism is not a Jewish state in the land of Israel. It is a Jewish home in the land of Israel. Um, and you took uh, issue with that. Help us understand... What's wrong with that? Because I think to a lot of people, that sounds very similar to what you're talking about, but it's not. It's not, because um, without the apparatus of a state, which means borders, government, army, etc., 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 you won't be able to defend a Jewish homeland or a Jewish center in the Jewish state. The idea of having a Jewish center here that was not tied to statehood uh, is not Peter Beinart's idea. Achad Am had that idea a century ago. Um, the Brit Shalom group, who were in favor of a binational state, in the early part of the 20th century, had that idea. And of course, when we look back at the history of the Middle East, it's quite obvious that had the Jews not had military power, had the Jews not had all of the trappings of a state that come with sovereignty in any other country, there is no way we would have survived here. And if we were to ever lose those trappings, uh, we would not survive here either. So Peter Beinart is actually uh, pulling one over. He's really trying to, he's trying to fake people out and say, no, I really want there to be a Jewish homeland, the Jewish center in Palestine, with all of the flourishing and accomplishments that the Jewish people have had there, I just don't want all the ugliness and messiness of a state. But obviously, with all the, without all the ugliness and messiness of the state, this place goes under very quickly. Anybody who's socially and economically mobile leaves. And what you're going to have here is a Jewish backwater very similar to what was in Palestine before Zionists began to come to Palestine in the early part of the 20th century. So when you talk about and, and, and defining Zionism really at its core as sort of a national liberation movement, help me understand or help me articulate what that might look like for your average Israeli today, who in, in maybe in more practical terms, is it, um, in other words, how does that, re how is that play relevant to their lives when they would say, I just want to have a safe place for my kids? I just want to sort of live within peace and security. How does Zionism, what does Zionism mean to them today? Well, there's a rebirth of interest in Jewish life in general in Israel. After the 1973 war, we begin to see the first major cracks in the edifice of, so, of secular Zionism, because after the 73 war, when it becomes clear, Israelis are never going to be able to live here without defending themselves. And they have to ask themselves, well, why would I stay there? Why would I live in a place where I'm always after? Gonna have to fight for it. Then the answer is, well, you're because of the Jewish people. And then the question becomes, well, what is the Jewish people's importance? And then in order to answer that, you have to begin to get to issues of the substance of Jewish civilization and tradition and so forth. So 50 years ago, 73 is 50 years ago, the first major cracks in, uh, in, in Israeli secularism begin to appear. And what you have today in Israel is not everybody is interested in it, but there is a huge resurgence of interest in combining national sovereignty and the lives of state with Jewish tradition, Jewish history, thinking about Jewish authors and thought and so on and so forth. The vast majority of Israelis want some Jewish substance in their state. So uh, it's it, there are two different elements here. One is kind of Jewish and one is kind of Zionist. One is 
religious or people that didn't want his sovereignty. But in today's Israelis' minds, most Israelis' minds at least, they are very much intermingled. Religion, of course, when you when you talked about Israel as a Jewish state, it's not just as a religion, but as a people. You know, today, issues of religion are very, I don't just mean today, uh, but really in recent number of years, uh, issues be between the rabbinate and the state and, and secular and orthodox and so on um, have really become quite uh, contentious subjects in Israel. How important is it for Israel's strength and vitality for these issues to be resolved or at least uh, mitigated to the degree more than they are now? I'm not sure it's as controversial inside Israel as it is outside of Israel. A lot of Israelis don't love the rabbinate. The rabbinate is made up of a bunch of men who are not particularly Zionists. They don't send their children to the army. They are very much outside the pale of uh, typical Israeli life. Israelis don't like that. But the average Israeli lives his or her life without much interaction with the rabbinate. If they want to go to a kosher restaurant, they go to a kosher restaurant. They want to go to a non-kosher restaurant, they go to a non-kosher restaurant. They want to get married by the rabbinate, they can get married by the rabbinate, but lots of Israelis are getting married by Orthodox rabbis who are not part of the rabbinate. Lots of Israelis are getting married by rabbis who are not Orthodox. Lots of Israelis are getting married outside of Israel in civil ceremonies and having their marriages recognized by the Ministry of the Interior. So while the rabbinate can wreak havoc on people's lives, it definitely can if they're trying to convert, they're trying to get divorced and so forth. Statistically, the average Israeli lives their life without almost any interaction with the rabbinate whatsoever. So they're kind of theoretically opposed to it, but it doesn't actually annoy them on a day-to-day -day basis. I think outside of Israel, and particularly in North America, because the vast majority of North American Jews in the United States and Canada are non-Orthodox Jews, and because the Israeli chief rabbinate is so hostile to non-Orthodox Judaism, there I think it is actually a, a much more of an ongoing uh, bother, an ongoing sense of betrayal that many people feel. Is it important that it get resolved? Yes, it's important that it get resolved. Is it among the top five issues? It's really not. We have to resolve the Palestinian problem. We have to resolve the issue of judicial um, the, the, the functioning of the judicial system in Israel. We have to solve the issue of the law of return and who should be included in it, which is not a rabbinate issue. It's a Knesset issue. We have to resolve the issue of I mean, all sorts of other kinds of issues that are really critically important. So yes, it's it's an important issue to resolve. I don't think it's it makes the first cut of the most critical issues. Uh, now, it's no secret, of course, uh, we discussed this earlier on, or I touched on it, that Zionism has become so effectively misrepresented and rebranded by uh, detractors of the state of Israel. What is it going to take to reframe Zionism to what it truly is, which is a national liberation movement, as opposed to some kind of a racist colonialist endeavor. You mean reframe it in the eyes of the international community? Yeah, in terms of the, the, the news media, the international community, etc., that anti-Israel uh, advocates have been able to take this concept and reframe it for their purposes. What is it going to take to be able to reset that and, and put it to what it truly is? It's totally impossible. It'll never happen. Uh, the world has been hostile to Zionism from the very, very beginning. We know that even just a matter of weeks after the UN voted in November 1947 to create a Jewish state, the American State Department was already trying to get the General Assembly to bring it back for a vote, knowing full well it would never pass again. So already from 19, the earliest weeks of 1948, we know that the UN was opposed to Zionism, uh, or at least the idea of Jews having their own state. 
when the UN declared in 1975 that Zionism is racism, and really very few people except for the United States and a few others uh, spoke up against it, um, it was really very clear that um, the world had turned against Israel, and not for any objective reasons. When the United Nations has a human rights council that is run by Korea, but Israel is a, uh, or Iran, for example, but Israel is a um, Israel is number seven agenda item on every single meeting of the United Nations Human Rights Council. But Korea is not on the agenda. Iran is not on the agenda. China is not on the agenda. There's nothing fair about this. There's nothing objective about this. There's nothing in the least bit tied to reality about this. Uh, and I think people that are trying to get the international community to overwhelmingly see the Jewish state differently or to see Zionism differently are wasting their time. The hopes of getting certain journalists, absolutely. The hopes of getting certain members of the Jewish community, absolutely. Hopes of getting certain members of the non-Jewish community, absolutely. But to change the international community's views of Zionism, never going to happen. And now, some would point out, of course, that to the degree that many young Jews in the diaspora are increasingly disassociating themselves or, or at least feel uh, distant from Israel, it's because of sort of larger discourse defining Zionism in ways that are unpalatable to them. Why would I want to be a Zionist if I am told that Zionism is racism and colonialist, etc.? Um, in today's atmosphere where there is more of an emphasis on identity politics, is there an opportunity to appeal to more younger people with what Zionism truly is? I mean, I, I want to quote from something you've written in the past about the story of Israel is plain and simple, the story of the rebirth of the Jewish people, the recreation of a thriving Jewish people in its own land, speaking its own language, living according to its own calendar, producing its own great works of literature and celebrating thousands of years of Jewish tradition. Is that kind of definition of Zionism, you think, more appealing to younger people today than it was maybe 23, 20, 30 years ago? Not yet. I don't think it's become more appealing yet, but I think the rise of anti-Semitism across the world, and especially in North America, where the rise is appreciable, that may actually awaken Jews to the need for Jews to have a place where they don't face that. Uh, life may not become in Canada or the United States like it became in Europe, um, but we don't know. We don't know where things are going. We don't know where things are going in New York, where ultra-Orthodox Jews are attacked regularly in, in Brooklyn. We don't know where things are going in California, where the numbers of anti-Jewish incidents are rising at a precipitous rate. Um, so I think that tragically, the rise of anti-Semitism, which is becoming culturally acceptable once again, that may actually um, alert young Jews to the need to begin to try to understand what the, what the founders of Zionism had in mind. But I don't think it started to happen yet. Well, uh, Daniel Gordas, thank you so much uh, for your time and expertise. I know we've only touched uh, so briefly on, on what Zionism is and what, uh, you know, its relevance and significance for, uh, for Israel and for the, the Jewish world at large. So thank you so much again for your time. Your questions were excellent. Really my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And that's today's edition of the Honest Report podcast. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to our mailing list, our podcast channel, and follow us on social media for the most up-to-date news. If you like what you've heard, please consider a donation to support our continued efforts at www.honestreporting.ca slash donate. Until next time, thank you so much for listening.